Vox Bus. When I started taking care of my needs and putting them out in an assertive way, that was a big transformation for me to put up healthy boundaries without guilt. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebil Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Setting Boundaries Without Feeling Guilt. Today I'm going to do a monologue and just talk about it uh, because I've had a lot of requests of how to really work around that guilt. But before I tell you a little bit more about the episode, I definitely want to get a shout out to a few people who have recently donated to my podcast. A couple local people, Allie. Sweet Allie, thank you so much from Black Mountain for donating. And Alan from Asheville, I really appreciate it. You supporting the podcast financially, because I have said before, I've got a professional production team that helps me put out some really good sounds and uh, produces this content so professionally and well. And it costs some, some greenbacks. So for those of you that are getting something out of the podcast and you feel inclined to donate, you can go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com, and support the podcast page. It'll walk you through. You can also check out the show notes and you use the hyperlinks to support the podcast. And one other thing that I have a request for, and that is I would love for you to go to the Apple Podcast if you're listening on that and leave a review. I'd like to get some of those numbers up on the reviews. And I'm really happy to be able to tell you that I have a new sponsor. Uh, and this episode is sponsored by Gyro Creative. Gyro is an identity studio based in my hometown, Detroit. And they help businesses and groups express their values through transforming their verbal and visual expressions that build culture and inspire change. So check them out at gyrocreative.com. You can check out the show notes for the hyperlink on that. So a little bit more about this podcast. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed some of the feedback that you've given me about really wanting to know about how to deal with the guilt and setting boundaries. So in this podcast, I talk more about uh, what's healthy guilt and unhealthy guilt. Also give you some stories of some of my past experiences with putting up boundaries and the feelings that I had with guilt and transforming that where I give you some ways and some examples of also how to speak to it. I discuss people pleasing. When we are people pleasers, that really shows up a lot in setting our boundaries that we take on other people's feelings and emotions and their disappointments and their anger. And we take on and feel guilt for them having those feelings. So I talk more about that, how to deal with it, how to change the way of your perspective of taking on that guilt. Alrighty, everybody. Thanks for listening. I uh, hope you enjoy it.
Welcome everybody to this episode of Setting Boundaries Without Feeling Guilty. This topic came from some feedback from some listeners from the October 16th, 2018 podcast of Setting Boundaries in Relationships. And people were asking, boy, it's hard to set boundaries because I feel so guilty. What do I do about my guilt? I don't want to seem rude or have the other person feel hurt, get angry. Yeah, that's a big one because we don't need to feel responsible for somebody else's emotions or how they receive our boundaries. We need to focus more on how we set our boundaries and what kind of communication, energy, the assertiveness that we have, the grounding of knowing that what's healthy for us. Then it's also important to understand guilt. What is guilt? To understand the difference between healthy guilt and unhealthy guilt. Yes, there is healthy guilt. And healthy guilt, it's a feeling that occurs when we've actually done something wrong. That we know that we have harmed someone. So feeling guilty can be a positive emotion if you use it to springboard off of that to change your behavior. So that's developing a good conscience you know, a loving adult for themselves, they're concerned with themselves and other people. So the people that have never developed a conscience in that way and feel no guilt or remorse of harming other people, we call them sociopaths. In healthy guilt, that comes from taking responsibility for our choices, for our decisions, and being accountable for our behaviors and actions. Because when we have not behaved in the way that it's aligned with our values and our own highest good and highest good of others, then our adult self, the loving part of our adult self, will feel remorse. And that could take over and do whatever we have to do to remedy the situation. Well, maybe not whatever we have to do, but it's a strong desire and need to remedy the situation when we feel that level of remorse that we know that we did something, said something that contributed in a way that was out of our own value and alignment. So get that. There is healthy guilt. Um, Now there's unhealthy guilt. And that results from telling ourselves that we've done something wrong when we haven't actually done something wrong, right? So, for example, if you decide to do something that you believe is for your best interest, that is for taking care of your own self with no intent to harm someone else, and that someone else gets upset for you doing what you need to do to take care of yourself instead of doing what he or she wants, that would be unhealthy guilt, you know, to feel or say something to yourself like I should have done what she wanted instead of what I wanted, you know, because I can feel her hurt or I'm being selfish and doing what I want to do. And of course, we have to really look at what selfish is. If you're doing things that really fuel the sense of self and take care of yourself so that you can give to others, that is not selfish. But again, that unhealthy guilt has some self-talk that if another person gets angry with me, 
then I must have done something wrong. So you instantly take on fault for somebody else's feelings. And of course, that's a part of enmeshment and codependency. Also, we're talking about people-pleasing, right? A lot of people can relate to that being a people-pleaser. So if you're a people-pleaser, you feel good when you derive some of your identity from doing things for others and then having them feel good. Problem is, though, you usually then compromise your own needs to make other people happy. People-pleasers have trouble setting boundaries without guilt. It's just that, you know, many of us have been trained to believe that we're responsible for other people's feelings so that when others are angry or when they're hurt, it's our fault. If you grew up with parents that focus more on their hurt when you were putting up a boundary and they showed that hurt, that would come up as instilling and putting seeds into becoming a people pleaser because that's the first people that we really want to please, of course, is our parents. And a lot of people pleasers have parents that are people pleasers. So we saw it growing up and it was modeled to us. So unless you deliberately intended to harm someone, that person's feelings are not your responsibility. Others get hurt when they take your behavior personally and then they get angry, they get very upset, and then they make you responsible for their feelings. But it does not mean that you are responsible for their feelings. That's a big distinction there. And also, once you realize that you're a people pleaser, a lot of resentment starts to surface. I have clients that I'm working on, their aspects of being a people pleaser. They feel lots of guilt when they stand up for their own needs. And I would tend to say some women are more like that, that I come across because they're constantly giving their selves to other people and being of service to other people. So when they ask or demand or even request <laughs> for taking care of themselves, they feel a lot of guilt with that. I had a client that unconsciously got her needs met through having an affair because she didn't feel that she could ask for her needs or herself straight out to her family and to her friends that she had to subversively go in and get her needs met in an unhealthy way. And then some people do that. Some people get their needs met in an unhealthy way using substances and so forth. So remember to really get that straight that we are responsible for our own intent. The intention that we put out about whether we're going to harm someone or not. So when you intend to harm someone, then you're responsible for those results. But when you're just taking care of yourself with not the intention to commit harm, such as just the mere fact of just taking care of yourself, like maybe wanting some time alone, uh, maybe when your partner or when your kids uh, want to spend time with you, but you want to take care of yourself, then you're not responsible for their upset. So unhealthy guilt comes from us taking on other people's feelings and feeling their feelings and feeling guilt for them having, let's say, a challenging time with our boundary. So one that we really have to look out for is unhealthy guilt also arises when someone blames you for his or her feelings and you end up taking 
the blame. You know, many people have learned to blame others for their feelings rather than, of course, taking responsibility for their own feelings. So when you accept that blame, you're feeling unhealthy guilt when you accept blame from others' feelings. So I know that was me for many years, and I really needed to understand that to really understand my unhealthy guilt and not continually to take them on, to have a different relationship with myself around self-care, around what I believed was my values in order to make good boundaries and decisions that would take care of myself. Therefore, less resentment and less grudges that I would hold towards somebody because I wasn't taking care of my needs. When I started taking care of my needs and putting them out in an assertive way, that was a big transformation for me to put up healthy boundaries without guilt. And I come from a Jewish family, man. We, get, we call it a tablespoon of guilt with that chicken soup, right? Moms are good at doing that. At least Jewish moms are good doing that. You know, they put in their feelings around disappointment and hurt. And in some way, that's a conscious or unconscious manipulation to get what they want. And of course, that's because they usually grew up around it. And I know that's just not for Jewish families. I know it's for all kinds of families and people that grew up Catholic and so forth. And a lot of different cultural groups, they have that kind of behavior. So and remember, this is not, it's not so easy to do, boy, because when you start exerting, especially in the beginning, exerting your, your boundaries, you will probably still be feeling some guilt or feel that it's selfish or feel that you're mean or rude or you'll be told that that's what you are. And it's not necessarily because you are doing something wrong. Okay, really get that. Because you're feeling those feelings and that you're feeling that it's guilty or selfish or mean, it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. You got to take a quick mirror and check back in. How are you sending out your boundaries? Are you sending it out, like I call it, in alignment? You know, for me, I want to be clear. I want to be honest. I also want to be compassionate, but I want to be grounded. I want to be focused. Am I sending out my boundary in that way? Because it's a lot easier for other people to hear boundaries when it's sent out clear. And also, I would say in a, in a kind way also. It doesn't always have to be just really hard and harsh. Sometimes we need to do that, but we don't have to do that all the time. So I had somebody ask me one time about how to put up boundaries around being an adult and having their parents constantly give them advice. And when they didn't take their advice, the parents would get really angry or wreak havoc. So we can set up boundaries around that, which is not easy. Remember, a boundary is this is where I end and you begin. Whether the person changes their behavior or not, we state who we are, what we will do in regards to setting that boundary. So like I said before about being able to say it in a clear manner, in an assertive manner, but also not attacking, not blaming. So for instance, in this circumstance, for instance, in this example, a feedback could be putting up a boundary to these parents who give advice would be maybe, look, when you give advice, I have free will to take it or not. When you get angry because I didn't follow your advice, I feel confused. I feel frustrated 
because I have a right to choose to take your advice or not. And when you get angry that I didn't take your advice, then there's conditions to your advice. Right? You can also say, because you didn't say you would get angry if I didn't take your advice, it makes me feel unsafe. So I need to know if I can feel safe when you give advice. It's like telling somebody, I claim my right to listen to your advice without actually taking it and you not get angry. Now, I know that's putting up a boundary there and that parent might get all flustered and chaos and so forth because one is you're breaking a pattern and habit that system you and being that parent child parent relationship is being is being shifted when one part of the system shifts the system has to shift but it doesn't necessarily mean the other person's going to really like it so they may be pushing and play some havoc we have to hold our boundaries and it also may be that you may have to have some space with that if that continues then also you can give space whether you're going to even talk about certain subjects. Whether when the advice comes, you could say, you know what, I don't want to hear about your advice right now. I would like to talk about another subject. And if they keep coming, you can walk away. There's boundaries, and if you keep some of that consistency, that person will take you seriously. Years ago, um, when my son was small, we decided to homeschool him. And I think he was like three years old. We decided to homeschool him until he was maybe about 11. And my mother had a very difficult time with that. She didn't think that that was a good idea. And she was voicing her opinions a lot about that when I would tell her what we were doing. And I felt some guilt about putting up my boundaries because she was concerned with his uh, well-being And there were some other things that were going on in my relationship with my mother that I was still attached to around guilt and not uh, feeling her upset with everything that I would judge her about. But I became really clear that I had to put up a boundary and not feel guilty about it. So I remember this conversation I had when she was giving me some unsolicited advice. And I told her, hey, You know, you're constantly giving me unsolicited advice around this homeschool issue. And I will no longer take it. I will no longer hear it. And if you want to continue to be informed about his education, then you won't give me unsolicited advice. If you do want to hear about his homeschooling education, then you will not give unsolicited advice. And she had challenges with that. You know, she sometimes would forget and she would do it really well. And it would come up uh, later in the conversation. And I would say, hey, hey, you know, you're giving me unsolicited advice right now here. I'm not going to continue with this conversation. So I had to continue to hold some of those boundaries to actually train her. Right. We have to train people in our boundaries. And I had to train my mother that we were not going to talk about that issue because she kept on giving opinions that I didn't agree upon and I wasn't asking for her advice. And that's, of course, another thing. When we ask for advice, then we got to be willing to hear it. But if we do not, 
want to ask for advice, if we don't want the advice, we don't have to hear it. You know, there may be times that if you are having conversations, let's say with people over the phone, you might even want to write down some of that dialogue that I talked about earlier, dialogues of how to put up your boundary, to have it right there as, you know, a memorization of three or four lines or read it or have it on your phone and you repeat those boundary words, those sentences until people get it. And again, if they don't get it, you then make a decision about how you're going to interact with them, whether you're going to continue in that kind of conversation or whether you're going to even continue giving more energy to the relationship. And I know that can be very challenging when it comes to family. But sometimes we actually need to do that. We need to give less energy to aspects of the relationship in order to let people really know where our boundaries stand. Some years ago, I remember I had to put up a boundary with my wife that I was feeling guilty about. And she would call me uh, during the day at work and she would tell me what was going on with some things at home. And sometimes they were stressful things. They were things that I felt could have waited until I got home or on the weekend to address. And it would break up my day with me thinking about the stress. I have a stressful enough job to handle and hear people's stress that's going on for the day that sometimes in between session, I definitely don't need to pick up a voicemail to hear more about some stressful things. Now, hey, of course, if it's an emergency and if it's really grinding on her mind and on her heart, I do want to hear it. But if there's something like, oh, you know, something's gone wrong a little bit with the kitchen sink, I can't do anything about it. I'm at my office. If she needs directions to get a phone number, fine. But if she's just telling me that, it could wait till I get home because otherwise I'm thinking about it throughout my day. So there were times that she would just leave messages that would really disturb my flow and that uh, I felt that they could have waited. So after a while, I put up a boundary and I said something to the fact that I really do appreciate being informed of what's going on at home. Though when you leave messages like this, and I would give an example, it adds stress to my day because I'm thinking about it throughout the day and I know that if I heard them when I came home, that we could address it? Or can you have more discernment to think about if this could wait? If it can't wait whatsoever, of course, I want to hear it. But if it could wait, please wait until I get home and we can discuss it face to face, or if it's on the weekend, that we can address it. And she totally got it. And she changed in that way. She used her own discernment. Sometimes maybe a little bit too much, like something might go on and I said, why didn't you tell me earlier? <laughs> and of course she's like, well, you, I know that it could create stress. And in some way she's right. Yeah, definitely that would have created stress and did I really want to know. Some things, of course, I do want to know and other things can wait. So again, you know, putting up a hard boundary sometimes doesn't work in the long run, a real harsh boundary. There's ways of doing it with kindness by also appreciating and acknowledging the intent of the person for what they are saying or doing, if there is a true positive intent, and then coming with the boundary in a kind and even empathetic way. There's a way to do that. But that's a spectrum. 
I think a lot of people have to really start off with harder boundaries because they've gone so long of not putting up a boundary that they got to say no, right? Just say no. And I said that in my other podcast around saying no. You do not have to explain your nose. You don't have to explain your nose. I will not go to the party tomorrow. Why? Because I'm, I'm not going to the party tomorrow. You don't have to give explanations. You don't have to give justifications. Sometimes you just have to put up a good self-assertive boundary. And I think it's good to practice some of those no's sometimes. I'm not saying not to tell people reasons why, but if you're a person that feels guilt that you have to explain why you're saying no, practice just saying no without the explanation. I think making statements like, I have decided, blah, blah, blah. I am now going to, blah, blah, blah. This is my decision. I will no longer I want to inform you that I decided, right? I want to let you know, blah, blah, blah. I have chosen to. I like that one. I have chosen to, right? I am going to, for instance, I am going to walk away when you keep giving me unsolicited advice, right? I have chosen to decide to go to the movie tonight and then I will go with you another night. I want to inform you that I decided to buy this car and not the car that you wanted me to buy. This is my decision. I will no longer take your unsolicited advice on this subject. It takes practice and it especially takes practice to really come back and reflect back if there is feelings of guilt. Is it because it's difficult to witness the other person's expressions and their feelings? That's usually what happens. That's the enmeshment. It's really difficult to watch somebody else feel disappointed or get angry or hurt because we're putting up a boundary. So again, a lot of that is the difficulty to witness it and take care of ourselves when we witness it. Self-soothe our own self so that we don't have to take care of the other person, right? That aspect of enmeshment and differentiation that I've talked, I talked about in that podcast in October, Setting Boundaries. When somebody else is feeling hurt, they rise in anxiety. If we're witnessing it, we rise in anxiety. What we usually do is we try to take care of them to decrease them, take care of them. I'm sorry. We want to bring down their anxiety. So we apologize real fast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Or we change our decision to make them feel better. In reality, we're doing it so we'll feel better, right? If they feel better, we come down to anxiety. So actually what we have to do is we have to witness their expression, let them have their anxiety and their disappointment, and we bypass them and we take care of ourselves in that moment that we self-soothe ourselves. Very, very challenging to do that but that will create more differentiation and that will take away more of the feelings of guilt because you'll have a clear understanding and let the other person own their feelings and you know that you're just expressing your desires and your needs and you're not intently hurting that person. So a lot of people grow up, if somebody else is hurt, it's automatically their fault. 
because we also use that, this expression and you, we hear it all the time. You made me feel angry. You made me feel sad, right? You made me upset. And we all know that somebody else can't make us feel that way. We feel that way. Their behavior influences us if we feel that way. But we got to believe when somebody says that, you are making me angry, we are not making them feel any sort of way. We have an influence in that, but they can choose how to feel. So that's the aspect of taking back that feeling of guilt. I remember a big transformation came for me also many years ago when I was really feeling guilty about, I took a round the world trip when I was 29, quit my job, quit my corporate job and bought a round the world ticket. It was one of the best decisions I ever made. Uh, at that time, you can buy a round the world ticket for $1,700. And this was back in 91, I believe. And I chose eight destinations. You can only go in one direction. And I could change those destinations anytime for like a $30 fee back then. And I was just thrilled. It was open-ended for a year. And I was in a relationship that was up and down in commitment. My girlfriend at the time had two children, an eight and 10-year-old. I was 29 years old. And I was really torn in between taking on a family. The father wasn't involved at all. And we went kind of back and forth in our relationship. And I didn't fully break up when I took this trip. Yeah, because she took me to the airport. She's still asking questions about our relationship. And I couldn't really get the nerve up to break up because I was going to take on that guilt that her hurt was because of me. So it was left ambiguous. And I traveled for many months. And about five or six months into it, she corresponded with me and told me that she wanted to meet me in Greece, that she could get a flight out and meet me in Greece. And I did not want that. I wanted to continue my freedom and I did not want to be in the relationship or I was torn, but I knew that I was tending to not be in the relationship. But out of guilt, I said, okay. And we had a sweet time. We spent a couple weeks in Greece together. She went back to Detroit and I continued some of my travels, but I felt more and more guilt. And my father became ill and I was feeling guilt about not being with him. So both of those aspects of guilt brought me to come back to Detroit a few months, three or four months earlier than what I intended to do. And I almost immediately within a couple weeks got engaged with that woman. Can you believe that? Yep, I made the decision to get engaged and a lot of that was out of guilt. And I didn't even, I don't even remember asking her to marry me. I think it was something to the effect of, hey, you remember what we were kind of like talking about last week? And I think uh, perhaps uh, we should do it. Like, that's how committed I was to it. And uh, boy, it was really challenging. I knew that my heart was not in it, that I was doing it out of guilt. And I'm so glad after a few weeks that I said, I was wrong. I can't go through with it and started the process of, of breaking up. And then maybe five years later, I decided to really work on myself and owning some aspects of uh, my influence of others. So I went around and made some sincere apologies to some people in my life, including some old girlfriends. And she was one. 
And I apologized to her about the way that we ended the relationship, that I took responsibility of just letting it go on and on. And she said to me, yeah, you were really fearful. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I totally owned that. I was fearful. I was fearful. And she kept going on and on and on about how fearful I was. And then I can feel myself started to get more angry, but then brought it down to more clarity around groundedness around my boundary. And I remember just looking at her and saying, all along I was fearful in that, in our relationship and undecided about committing because of whether I was ready to be a family man. And you knew it all the time. I didn't hide that. And you continued to be in relationship with me. So I want you to take some responsibility that you continue to stay in that relationship knowing how fearful I was. So there was a boundary there that I no longer felt guilt about. And I put that up that I wasn't going to take that on. I wasn't going to take on that blame of her hurt because I was fearful. She knew it and she still decided to want to be with me. So that was a long story, but it was a profound one for me. So especially from that relationship, I really understood and learned some aspects of setting more healthy boundaries. You know, I just realized that putting others first leaves me with feeling more depleted, more resentful, and with my needs largely being unmet. And with that conversation with my old girlfriend, I actually realized that, uh, of course, I wasn't responsible for her feelings or her comfort level. In fact, trying to take that responsibility for her feelings actually kept her in the victim space. That's what I realized until that moment when I took that back. So sometimes people tell me that, you know, they put up boundaries and, and it doesn't work. And I usually want to investigate with them about uh, the assertiveness of uh, setting up a boundary because assertiveness is difficult. Learning assertiveness takes self-awareness and it takes practice. And often due to aspects of shame, uh, low self-esteem, codependency, um, it, we find it difficult because they don't know what they need to feel. People who aren't so assertive they don't know what they need to feel or they don't believe that they have rights. They don't feel worthy. They fear of losing people's loves or friendship or approval. Uh, they don't want to be a burden. They fear someone's anger, someone's judgment. So instead of being assertive, people then become more codependent or dysfunctional in their communication. And of course, where do we learn that? Growing up in a household that's maybe passive or parents that were passive or nagging or aggressive or of course critical and blaming so if you believe that your boundaries don't work it's really good to look at if your tone is firm or not firm or is it blaming or is it critical you know and being assertive sometimes it's it's difficult that you back down when you're challenged with somebody's reasonings or their their explanation or their threats or their name calling, even sometimes people's uh, stonewalling or their silent treatments. And so 
it can be very difficult to assert ourselves. And that's maybe one reason why it's not working. Or you back down because maybe you really sympathize. You take on the other person's pain. Or perhaps even you might not have a good support in your life that will help you reinforce that new behavior. Maybe the people that you're hanging around with are also very codependent and people pleasers as opposed to people that are really supporting that new behavior. And of course, you know, we've got to be reliable um, in being assertive. Our words and our actions uh, need to be congruent instead of contradictory. So those are some of the reasons why boundaries may not work. You know, if you tell somebody, I'm not going to see you, or I'm not going to have contact with you, but then you end up texting them or calling them because you miss them, of course, that's not holding a boundary. Telling somebody not to call and after a certain amount of time, but you actually answer the phone when they call. So that's not putting up a boundary because we're breaking our own boundaries. Remember, a boundary is for us. It's to keep us safe. It's not about keeping somebody out. You know, a lot of people that don't put up their boundaries and being assertive, they really feel used, that feeling of being used. And I don't want you to be used up and feeling used. So putting up good boundaries and not taking out that guilt is something I really hope that you experiment with and explore. So practice, you got to do a lot of practice. Be direct, don't apologize for your needs. Okay, everybody, so make yourselves a beautiful day. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by Oxbus. You can create your own professional podcast today faster and easier. Try it for free at oxbus.com. That's A-U-X-B-U-S dot com. Oxbus. Oxbus.